0: Hello, and welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast. The goal of this podcast is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their communities. The host of the Organizing for Change podcast is the coalition coordinator for Avon, Massachusetts, Amanda Decker. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome to episode 18 of the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Decker, and today I join... Deb Narrow, who is the executive director of a prevention coalition in New Hampshire called Katie. Katie stands for Communities for Alcohol and Drug-Free Youth, and Katie is a graduate of the Drug-Free Communities program and has gone on to sustain its initiatives and efforts in prevention. On this episode, you're going to hear about the link between mental health and substance use disorder, you're going to hear innovative ways to engage parents, and what you can do right now to make your coalition sustainable later on. This was a fascinating podcast. As always, if you find this episode helpful, please consider sharing with a friend, a coalition member, or a colleague. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Deb Nero. Welcome. I'm really excited that you're here. And I read a lot about your organization, Katie, online. But if you just want to tell our listeners a little bit about... What your organization is and how it started, and kind of how you're involved in it, and what you
0: do. Okay, I sure will. I'll, I'm gonna thank you, Amanda, first uh, for inviting uh, me to for this pod- podcast and to the whole Avon Coalition for Every Student. Um, I am executive director of Katie, and it's it's interesting you asked why uh, I became involved with prevention. My my commitment really stems back from early childhood. I, I just had this need uh, to change the dynamic around addiction. And that really stems from my my, both of my parents had addiction issues with alcohol and prescription drugs. And I lost both of them along with two of my siblings to addiction and three of them died by suicide. So I I knew as a young child that this cycle needed to be broken and it needs to start with each of us. Um, So before I was trained in the science of addiction, I, I... I knew that addiction was not inevitable, that it was that it was a preventable disease, and then I just followed that that career path, um, and have a master's in education, believe in skill building, and and have worked with program development and coalition building, um, and I've been involved with Katie since the beginning as a founding board member, and um, I just I really. I really love the whole local solutions for local problems uh, type of strategy, and 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 really protecting children, um, preventing addiction, and saving lives is really at the, you know, the core of my commitment.
1: And so now you're located in New Hampshire. Whereabouts in New Hampshire?
0: You know, um, Katie is. Uh, we developed our our nonprofit uh, back in 1999, and um, the acronym stands for Communities for Alcohol and drug for Youth and we are based in central New Hampshire and uh, our mission really is uh, to prevent and reduce youth substance misuse and we work with the young adult population as well to build healthy environments and promising futures. And um, I always say that, you know, in a nutshell, what is prevention? It's really preventing the problem before it it's And And so we work with a, a three-tiered strategy. Of um, information, education, and collaboration, and we also serve as the Central New Hampshire Public Health Network. Oh, okay. And yeah.
1: I noticed um, I would, so. you you all had a pretty big event. Uh, you do an annual event, um, a regional prevention summit. Just I think just a few, yeah. maybe a week or two ago, but I noticed that your kind of theme was the whole link between mental illness and substance use. And I thought that was fascinating, and I just was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your event and just maybe some key things that uh, your audience learned or that you all learned from.
0: Sure. Sure, you're right. This is a big event, and we just had our 18th annual, and we had 270 people in attendance, including the governor, U.S. senators, congresswoman, attorney general, state officials and and all of our coalition partners. And so it's an event that has grown uh, substantially over the years. Our first uh, summit 18 years ago, we had 25 people in the room. Uh, So we really have um, been very successful in mobilizing our community and our partnerships so that we could sustain our operation over the long term. Um, So this year, not only did the elected officials speak about what's, happening on the federal level with the opioid epidemic but also um, we had uh, two uh, keynote speakers and one of them was retired um, Supreme Court Justice in New Hampshire um, John Broderick and he spoke about his own family's uh, journey through mental illness he um, his son had some significant issues, and they didn't understand and, and recognize the signs, as most of us won't because we're unaware of, uh, you know, what are we looking for? You know, if you, you don't know, begin to know the questions to ask. Uh, and so they just thought, you know, he was a, a teenager exhibiting some, um, you know, difficult behaviors, and um, the, the, he had some problems, he had some su- significant problems and um, it ended uh, with him physically attacking his father and uh, well while he was asleep and he almost died he had uh, he was in ICU and this was this was broadcast around the nation because I mean he was a you know in such a prominent position and um, he since learned they thought he had you know uh, alcohol problems, but they learned that he was self-medicating uh, with uh, alcohol, as many people with mental health diagnoses do, and it was exacerbating his problems. And so he, um, once he was identified and um, received proper treatment, he's now today very healthy, and the, um, John Broderick is committed to ch- raising awareness and changing the culture around mel- Mental illness by reducing stigma, and he was a very, very powerful uh, speaker. And we also had um, um, the people were just in the audience were just so moved because his his whole talk was personal and compelling, and that just makes such a difference when you can um, really speak to that issue from a first first-hand um, knowledge. And then we had Lynn Lyons and she's a social worker and an author and um, speaker and she was so dynamic and uh, really spoke about anxiety in, in adolescence and um, some of the core contributing factors and some strategies for turning, turning these um, situations around so that you can avoid stigmatizing the, the child so that they will get the, the, the help and treatment they need to move beyond. And really thrive and so she was she was very well received as well so it was really it's a powerful day and I recommend that to all coalitions to do something like this it's a capstone of all your hard work over the um, the the academic year and um, it, it's really good it's a, a celebration of sorts as well Yeah, definitely of your accomplishment definitely
1: when you think about just why um, I mean, it seems like it would be kind of like common sense that mental illness and substance use would go hand in hand in so many situations. But why do you think that's really come to the, you know, come to light lately? And what are some things that maybe your community or your coalition has kind of changed over the years to realize that those uh, are strong correlation and kind of, um, you know, how to address that?
0: Well, I think that probably about seven years ago, uh, when we did our Youth Risk Behavior Survey, um, we, we would do the TAP, the Teen Assessment Project Survey, which is a parallel. And it, um, I realized that we never really asked the youth why. What, what were the contributing factors to their substance use? And um, that was a powerful question, the question why. And what we learned was um, a real eye-opener for us at that time. We learned that the number one problem uh, for youth, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't like just to party and have fun and you know, the peer pressure, it was, it was for stress reduction. That was the number one. Number two was to feel less depressed. And number three was um, because it was um, basically have fun. It was fun. That we—that's what we expected to see. So we were very. Um, it might have been like eight years ago. Uh, we were one of the first coalitions to really ask that question, and um, it was a, It changed the way we we did business. We really became, um, very committed to looking. Let's really identify and educate and inform our communities on on the contributing factors and, um, you know, how do we build protective factors and uh, with identification, early identification um, and uh, treatment. Th- those were the type of things that we, we shifted gears a bit. And because, um, you know, there was just some research done by uh, Jean Twenge and it really looked at um, the mental health issues and also at you know, the surge in clinical depression, suicide rates, and what were the contributing factors to that? And a lot of her work was looking at the um, screen time that uh, kids are not just young young people, but also adults, and how that's hijacked and distracted them from some of the, the core connections, human relations that they needed to be making rather than just, Uh, friends you know I have a thousand friends on Facebook they really will look losing some of that capacity to truly communicate on a deeper level and so that's really important um, research and that's what Lynn Lyons spoke um, to that issue and it, it makes us all look at our own behavior differently which is so important for our kids you know as role models but that's a um, so we we became erased our own awareness on the on the connection, and we work more closely now with with our mental health partners. Um, of course, we we are part of the public health network, so we're so we're at the table when we're looking at at the intersection of substance use disorders as well as uh, mental health. There. Yeah,
1: that's fascinating. I hey. was just thinking, yeah. um, I was speaking to some young people the other day, and they were just telling me about just how social media just interferes, but you know, it can be good and bad. And they were talking about how just the need to kind of compare themselves to whoever is posting, you know, they you know, compare yourself and say, "So and so having more fun than me," or "So and so have a better life than me," or you know, maybe even say, "I have a better life than so and so." Um, and I think that's a really interesting, you know, topic to kind of and dive into.
0: Is it? Yes, and it's a, yes, it is a dangerous um, trend that that we're seeing, and particularly with young girls, uh, there they, that's something that they're they're recognizing that that impact of the comparison compare and contrast is really um impacting girls more so than than the the males and so it's um there's a whole study you could we could talk for hours just on that one topic right there the screen time and um the the female you know the girl the the, their self-image and um always needing to feel like they're on as far as their you know the whole selfie movement the they they have to be perfect, and you, you, no one is. And so it, it's really very hard to help help them understand that that people are only putting their best f- face forward, and it's not it's not al- always fact based.
1: Yeah, definitely. Tough. And I wonder too how many times just communities. You know, I think when I go out and talk to a lot of folks in our community anyway, they'll tell me, again, the reasons kids are using drugs and alcohol is that whole they just want to have fun or peer pressure. But it's kind of uh, talking about there are different issues that are emerging that really are the root causes of why some young people are using in the first place. And I think it's important to have those conversations because the strategies that we put out there you know, should reflect what's actually going on. And to educate our community. So how do you educate your community? Because they might look for you to do strategies around peer pressure or do strategies around, you know, drinking's not fun kind of thing. But really what you're talking about is some of the strategies that you might be doing, people might not see that correlation. So how do you tell your community um, and make that correlation for them?
0: Well, we we um, we have a, you know, a multi- faceted, uh, you know, communication strategies. So we work with, um, we have a newspaper column, the Katie Corner. We've been doing that for 14 years now where we write columns on a weekly basis. Many of those are included in the the Prevention Accelerator, and that's all research-based information. And um, we have that. We we do um, public outreach events uh, for parents. We did a big one. Last year called Teach our Children Well, and we had two hundred and seventy five people in, in attendance and um we did that in collaboration with a local um, it's a performing arts center so we had the you know the that donated to us for the night and we had a big program. We have um ongoing school programs we have in school and community based programming and um and so the so we're we partner at a very high level with our schools. We have, um, we have youth programs that we have developed. We have a, a youth entrepreneurship program, which is really one of the only youth employment programs, you know, in New Hampshire, and that was recognized by the White House in, back in 2012 as a program to emulate. We have um, youth empowerment, you know, peer leadership programs. And we just started this year, which is quite fascinating, this little, it's a junior Youth Advisory and um, Action Club, where we have fifth graders. Uh-huh. We have 25 fifth graders that are um, peer prevention leaders. We work with them and develop their skill sets, and they presented at the Prevention Summit and just wow. knocked the socks off of off of uh, the attendees. They were just fabulous. And um, then we have our Youth um, Advisory Council. They just did a huge... Um, educational program on uh, juuling on the new vaping trend that schools are really struggling with it's um, really caught fire and um, so they did this and the state of New Hampshire is taking their program and um, basically spreading that statewide because they did such a great job on that and of course that's all adult guided by our prevention specialists but they are um, just so really developing the kids knowledge base and their skills um, so that they themselves can become role models and leaders that's something that we that we um, do as well so we have multiple levels of outreach to the community and we started this just this past year the parent advisory council because we've really noticed that one of the challenges we faced and we had to discontinue this. The it's an evidence-based program, guiding good choices. We couldn't even pay parents to come to that. Uh, they they couldn't make the commitment to make a multi-week commitment to um, you know c- coming to a program. Sure. And we saw that that just it was that was one of the challenges we faced. How are we going to get information out to parents? And um, other than through you know channels like Facebook or um, you know because we use social media as well. But parents can't always get out of the house to go um, go to meetings. And a lot of it is that they are now so um, married to social media. And so what we do is we live stream all of our events. What now. a
1: great idea. So, that,
0: so parents, exactly, the parents, um, that, that idea came from the Parent Advisory Council. Just this past year, we, we launched this uh, where we would bring parents in Um, and we meet quarterly and so all of the decisions that we make are impacting their lives and their children's lives so we wanted them to be on the front line uh, as far as input to decision making so it's sort of a bi-directional communication nexus and it's working beautifully I mean we had them they helped to plan this big event on national parent involvement day we did this shout out to parents and it was just fantastic we had some speakers we had it at a at a local inn so that they were able to have, um, you know, appetizers and, um, you know, if people wanted to have a glass of wine or, or they were able to do that. And it, it just brought a lot of parents in. And so now they're really committed to uh, this prevention mission. And we have them, we have their kids, and um, they, they, their ideas are just something that we may not have um, landed on. You know internally so that's um so that that's something another way because we had we were having trouble trying to get information out to parents through the this the guiding good choices we decided let's bring them to the table in another right. format um that works for them and we make it fun there's door prizes they they love it they really love it and they look forward to the next, the next meetings. It's not a st- typical PTA meeting. This is all about um, them connecting with each other and also with us. And so we're just trying to change it up. We're listening to what's where are the needs, what's working, what's not working, and then we um, change direction if need be.
1: I love it. And that's one example. I love it. And so you mentioned yeah. um, a few things in here that I want to follow up on. One was you talked about the Prevention Accelerator. Tell me a little bit more about that for our listeners and just kind of how that got started, what it is,
0: um, and where to find it. Okay. Okay, sure. Uh, back in 2014, um, Katie developed the Prevention Accelerator media campaign system. It really was a goal with a goal of building the knowledge base of adults. Um, youth substance misuse is too often a blind spot with too many adults not seeing the danger until it's too late. Uh, so the prevention accelerator is, is sort of a blind spot detector. And um, as long-term prevention professionals, we've been in the field for a long time and on the ground. We really recognized the problem many, many years ago that the field lacked the time, tools, and resources to get this big job done. Um, coalition coordinators, are not they have so much on their plates, and they're not marketing professionals, yet they need to get the their message out, you know, to the public, as we were just discussing, um, it's really an important message and we need to get it on the ground. And, um, and so how do they do that? None of us had the time to do it. And so what I, what I did early on is, um, you know, I hired a, a marketing specialist to work directly with me but not every coalition. We're a non-profit organization, so we have a diverse funding stream. We were I was able to do that. And, um, and so we decided let's put this tool on the ground to, to fill that gap and to, to provide a, you know, an affordable uh, strategic communication um, tool for, for adults. And because we, we all know, and you know, that when adults have a high perception of risk and disapproval, they are more likely to guide the good choices of their children. And so really, this is a time-saving, capacity-building tool designed to bring prevention to the top of our collective minds rather than an afterthought following tragedies. You always hear that after, um, you know, an overdose or something. It's like, what could we have done to prevent this? Well, one of the things we need to do is really raise awareness of the ha- risk and harm of substance you know misuse. It's not you know a harmless rite of passage and so we have to be able to educate uh, and bring that awareness level to a very high level and we can do that with an ongoing media campaign and I know this uh, for for my own firsthand experience when I stepped into the executive director role of Katie this was about 15 years ago, um, Katie was the best kept secret in town and my my board said, we need visibility. We want people, people need to know who we are, what we do and why we do do this work. And so one of the first things I did was to launch a media campaign. And in a very short time frame, uh, within one year, people started recognizing, you know, our name, our visibility, and we became the go-to experts and um, develop the partnerships that we needed in order to build sustainability, really accomplish our mission, number one, but then to build the sustainability long-term, which we've been able to do. And um, really that was a result of, of uh, this, you know, an ongoing media campaign, not an on-again, on off-again. We uh, Every now and then you might put a press release in the newspaper or you may um, – you know, put a, a Facebook post. It's, it's just not enough. You have to really just keep barraging your community uh, so that we can counter the misinformation that, um, you know, say, pro-marijuana or, um, you know, the alcohol industry, is, they have billion-dollar budgets, but we have the facts on our side. We just needed a tool on how do we make this happen, and that's how the Prevention Accelerator Was developed and we're now in 40 states across the country yeah and we have really um, we love to get that feedback we love getting the feedback that this is uh, it's a tool it's it's already it's a customizable um, templates uh, you know a 12 month campaign uh, all research based from trusted sources like NIDA um, CADCA SAMHSA CDC um, Naya, all those, all that information that's coming forward with the intent for you to share that, but there's no tool to do so a- until now, and that—that's the, um, really, it's it's so it's such hard work raising awareness, but now it now we've made it easy. Yeah, so it, it's really a prevention megaphone for the prevention field.
1: I think our coalition loved it because it's so confusing sometimes to know, okay, what can we say? What can't we say? Especially around the marijuana issue. Uh, It's such a political issue. And so for us, it was really great to get a year-long campaign with fact-based information that's already been vetted that we know we can say anything in this book. And that's been really helpful for our coalition uh, just to have, you know, something Again, like you said, to uh, the folks that have millions of dollars are getting their message out, but for us to be able to get our message out as well and let people know um, there are harms associated uh, with marijuana use, especially for young people.
0: You're you're absolutely right. In fact, we just rolled out our fourth um, media campaign and we co-branded it with Kevin Sabet of Smart Approaches to Marijuana. And it's it's, um, marijuana preventing another big tobacco. And that's an 18-month campaign and includes everything from policy briefs that you can use to raise awareness of uh, elected officials to, um, you know, parenting, information for parents of, of adolescents and much younger, we need to. Age of onset is dropping, so we really need to um, reach down, you know, to the the ten and eleven year olds mm-hmm. now uh, on these topics, and especially with vaping and things like that that are becoming um, the, the new drug trends. So it's, um, yeah, it. So uh, I'm glad to hear that you know, Amanda, that you're using it and that it's, um, it's really been helpful because that's, that's the whole intent is to advance prevention. We we have this addiction crisis that's claiming the lives of so many of our young people across the nation, and um, it, we have to start upstream. We have to prevent it. We have to prevent entry to the addiction pipeline, and we can do that. Prevention works, and we just have to have the tools uh, to really help us in in this hard job because sometimes it feels like you're pushing a boulder Mm -hmm. uphill and um, we've got to mobilize our communities. And in in order to do that, you have to raise awareness on the issues that surround it. Absolutely,
1: And I liked when you were saying too, that having your media campaign helped with your sustainability. So I know uh, that Katie was funded by a drug free communities grant. I'm not sure what your roots were, but maybe if you could just talk a little bit about, how you started out with funding, and just how uh, you're sustaining the work now without that oh, funding?
0: Oh, absolutely. well, it's um we we were initially funded through a um, through a state incentive grant. And then a couple years into our uh, coalition, we were awarded the the DFC, the drug free communities grant through SAMHSA. And we, we ended up being a 10 year grantee and from 2003 to 2013, and then the grant came to a close. It's 10 years and out. And I remember feeling panic as we were approaching that, that deadline um, because you've become um, dependent. It, on grants, and that's a very dangerous thing because then they never intended to last forever there's a there's a begin time and an end time for a reason you know they want you to sustain that work they've made an investment um, SAMHSA over a ten year period gave Katie uh, one point two five million dollars and as part as part of that was uh, we had to write a sustainability plan I, I can't remember what year it was in I think it was might have been year seven. And now they require it in year two, which is really a smart thing. And so we wrote that, and not only do we write it, but we implemented it. And so we really – one of the big keys to sustainability, and I I do sustainability trainings, and I did one for the new DFC grantees a few years back, is really to uh, develop your your plan around diversified funding. And so you want to be able to – always ask for funding and that could be through fundraising grant writing uh, share resources with uh, your your collaborating partners which is absolutely key um, and really you have to also think differently you have to almost apply a business model how can you earn income and that's when I uh, when I wrote in that we would somehow um, we would do consulting, which we've we've done quite a bit of over the years, trainings, and also uh, develop a um, a revenue-generating product. And that's how the Prevention Accelerator was born. So we are are funded through um, local. We have local funding through uh, municipalities in our our region, uh, state, um, county, uh, private, uh, we have fundraisers the uh we have an we do an annual appeal we have an annual mini golf tournament which is huge we have hundreds of partners in that not only of uh, for sponsors sponsorships but also the teams themselves i mean the local police department sends two teams the hospital mm-hmm. all types of uh partners so we look at we look at that in a um in a major way that that's that we're looking at every potential funding stream. and We're looking at just, we're going to be doing a capital campaign to put an addition on our building, um, a meeting with my board on Friday to determine, you know, to look at the architect's plans, and, and then we'll start a capital campaign for that. But it, it all comes through, you know, I'm absolutely uh, convinced that, it, it comes through awareness. If we, if you don't build that awareness of your, of your community and your partnerships, you can't mobilize Absolutely. those those partnerships. Um, whether it comes to funding, or to collaborate on uh, other initiatives, or to underwrite, um, you know, for example, our prevention summit. That we that's underwritten by all our partners and sponsors statewide. So it, it, that has become a fundraiser. It, all the costs. We do a beautiful hot breakfast that's catered, um, the speakers and everything, and, and then we, there's always some, some funds left over that go to the youth programs. So it, it's really about um, a mobilized community that really buys in and partners on every aspect of your um, mission and, and your, your whole strategic plan and sustainability plan. Well, We're all in it together, Absolutely. pushing that boulder uphill. Yeah, and
1: I think what you said so is fantastic because you're talking about, I, I think a lot of times prevention, folks don't necessarily think about that media campaign or the awareness part. They're so focused on the issue itself but not necessarily getting their name out there. And I think you know right. it's so important to remember that all the way from the beginning. It's the reason that you get your name out there. So people believe in it and want to continue to have the, that support.
0: Exactly, exactly, and that's why that's why the, the prevention accelerator is is twofold. It's you're getting that information out there to raise awareness on the issue, the problem, and the solutions of substance misuse, oh. and and on the second tier, you're raising awareness by your own branding mm-hmm. and every message that you send, you just it's so simple to just plug in your logo and your contact information, website or Facebook, it, it, so that th- these people are going to then you know, connect the dots, that you're the go-to expert in your region and should there be a problem, they're going to come to you and, and then they're also going to support Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, you know, by attending your events, by uh, financial donations and partnerships, and that's the only way we can get this done. And And so... I recognized that early when the when the Katy board said we need we need name recognition, we need brand recognition. How are we going to do it? And I said the first thing I'm going to do is start a media campaign uh, because you it's it's environmental in nature. It just catches fire. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I learned that when I was I was in the legislature for six years, and I had a column in the newspaper. And I whereas I would just really communicate some of the um, the bills that we're working on in a kind of a folksy way bringing it down so people would understand because um, it's so technical in nature and everywhere I went people would stop and, and chat with me people knew me I didn't necessarily know them but they they felt like they felt like I did because of, because of this communication um, that ongoing communication that I was putting out there that's
1: so to them. So powerful. So believe it or not, time has flown by and um we're going to we're wrapping wow. it up, but I just <laughs> wanted to know, is there anything we missed? Is there anything that you just really wanted our listeners to hear um or anything that you just thought uh last
0: few words that would encourage well, people? Sure. I think that, you know, my um my commitment to prevention is is that we really need to be highly focused upstream we're seeing people drowning in addiction today and so we need to we know that ninety percent of those struggling with addiction begin using substances before the age of 18 we have those facts so if we really want to make a commitment to end the addiction crisis we need to start with our kids we need to block a, a entry to the to the addiction pipeline and um, recognize preventions value as a life-saving strategy and funding needs to follow I mean um, Prevention works, but it isn't free. On the on the federal level, they they've put out just a pittance towards uh, primary prevention. Um, we we have to really focus on prevention as a priority, as as not only on local communities, state, federal. We have to we have to all be in it together, top down and bottom up. And and um, I think that prevention it needs to be a priority that that's I, i'll end on that no and it's not right now and it needs to be yeah. it needs to be it needs to be at the top of our minds and um we need to open our wallets you know to support this very important um strategy
1: well deb this has been a fascinating conversation where can people find out more about you or your organization uh your website or um are you on social media just so people can follow up
0: yes, yes we're on social media we also our website is uh, katieinc, uh, dot org and that's c-a-d-y-i-n-c dot org and, um, you know, we welcome anyone to go to our website. You can learn more about our programs and our, um, you know, initiatives. And, and there's contact information as well. Awesome. We have videos. We have, you name it. It, it, it It's a, a nice site, and we would love to have input. Awesome. And, we'll
1: post that in our uh, show notes so people can... Uh, click on there and take a look thank you so much we really appreciate your
0: time thanks so much amanda it's a a true pleasure and i hope thank you also for um offering this opportunity i think to prevention across the country because it's so important and you're doing a great public service there and also to the whole field so thank you for more information from today's podcast check out our show notes There you can find our contact information, social media, and website. Please get in touch with us if you have any comments or questions. And if you like today's podcast, please share it with your friends. Thanks for listening.